God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be reading, uh, taken from the reading in the Gospel of Mark. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day for gathering us to hear your word and worship and to receive the gifts that you have prepared for us. As we come to this message today, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us what it means that though it is impossible for us to save ourselves, Jesus has done the impossible. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you heard the one about the camel going through the eye of the needle? Have you heard this myth that is often told about these words from Jesus? Now, if you weren't paying attention during the gospel lesson, and I know, I know, you're all always paying attention, but if you weren't paying attention during the gospel reading today, Jesus said these words. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That sounds pretty rough. Those are harsh words. And very often we get very uh, uncomfortable when we hear Jesus speak this way. But it's been said, and here is this myth that has kind of been cooked up, and I'm wondering if you've heard this myth before. Uh, it has been said that the reason we get so uncomfortable with this passage is because we just don't understand it in its historical context. Were we back in Jesus' day, and had we heard him say these words, we would not have thought about a literal needle and a literal eye of a needle and a literal camel. Well, we would have thought of a literal camel. What we would have thought of was a gate in Jerusalem, a gate entitled the Eye of the Needle. And it was a gate with a very low overhang. It was hard to get through this gate. And camels, you see, had a very difficult time of it. In order for a camel to go through that gate, the camel needed to unload the burden that was on its back, humble itself onto its knees, and crawl underneath the gate. And when the, uh, when the camel would do that, then it would be able to enter into the city. The camel needed to fall on its knees, unload its burden, and then the camel would be able to enter Difficult? Yes. Impossible? Not at all. After all, everybody who had been by the eye of the needle would have seen a camel do this quite often. Now, there are chances that you have heard this myth before. In fact, there's a chance that if you have been to the Holy Land, your tour guide has shown you where the eye of the needle actually was. And that's a wonderful thing to do if you're paying a tour guide to do such things. Here's the problem. No one ever heard of that gate until the 9th century, and Jesus preached his message in the 1st century. That gate did not exist back then. It was a crafty homiletical, that is a crafty preaching device that some preacher in the 9th century decided to throw into the sermon to teach his people to be more humble and to sacrifice their wealth. It's not actually true that this gate existed. Further, when that myth is spread, what begins to happen is we begin to misunderstand the real sharpness of Jesus' words today. The illustration suggests that if you want to enter the kingdom of God, what you must do is humble yourself and sacrifice everything, and then you will be saved. The, in, the illustration then shows that it's not impossible for a rich young man to be saved. It's just really, really, really hard. The illustration does nothing but tame Jesus' message today. 
And Jesus' message today is not that your sacrifice and your humility are going to save you or any other rich people. No. Jesus' message today is simply this. It's not hard to be saved. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to save yourself. And the disciples got this. This is why they were shocked by this. This this really jarred them. The text says this. They were exceedingly astonished. And they said to them, then who can possibly be saved? And Jesus doesn't say, well, those who are truly humble. And he doesn't say, uh, the rich who relieve themselves of the burdens of their idolatrous wealth. He doesn't even say, you can be saved because you've left everything to follow me. No, Jesus says this. With man, it is impossible. It is impossible for a human being to save themselves. It is literally easier for a literal camel to go through the literal eye of a literal needle. And that's tough stuff. This is too much for the disciples to take. It's too much for us to take. It was too much for some 9th century preacher to take. That's why he invented the myth of the humble camel who was learning to limbo, you see. After all, that gives us a shot right? It it makes us feel like we've got some potential. We've got some possibility here. It gives the wealthy, and and don't mistake this, we are the wealthy. I mean, you might be struggling with your finances, but your struggle with your finances is is with finances that are more money than the vast majority of the world will see in an entire lifetime. And it is harder, uh, it is impossible for us to enter the kingdom of God, but this little myth would give us a fighting chance I mean, just look at the guy, the rich young ruler who we talked about last week. He's the one who kind of prompted this little sermon from Jesus. You remember this? This is the the story from last week. If you don't remember it, you can open your Bible and and read the previous passages. But here comes a rich young man, and if anybody should be able to enter the kingdom, it's this guy. Because he had lived a life of moral uprightness. He had zeal for Jesus. He's the one who ran up to Jesus and humbled himself before Jesus when he calls him good teacher. He wanted to make sure that he had done everything he could to be saved. He was just trying to be the right kind of person. And we would look at that guy and say, yeah, that guy's getting to the front of the line. I mean, if he can't do it, who can? There's not a more moral, ideal Christian out there. He had done everything, at least from our end. It looks like he had done everything necessary. And all of this wealth he had, the disciples would have looked at it because this was the common belief of the day. The disciples would have seen all of this wealth, all of these material blessings, and they would have said, well, that is evidence that God is for him. That is evidence that God is rewarding him. His earthly wealth is just the beginning of how God is going to bless him on into eternity. After all, to the one who has much, much will be given in all of that. But when Jesus responds by exposing his wallet as his idol, telling him to give his money to the poor and to replace his money with the heavenly treasure that Jesus promises, the guy walks away sad. Because his problem was he wanted to go to heaven with his idols intact. And Jesus, he won't have that. He won't allow for that. And so Jesus goes on to show how wealth is the most pervasive idol that the world knows. And wealth is not just an idol for the wealthy. Uh, very often, uh, wealth can be an idol for the poor, too. We all love it way too much. But when Jesus exposes this, the, the disciples are baffled. They're like, do you, do you see who you just sent away? We just brought LeBron James to the Lakers, and you're sending him home? What are you doing? 
This is the best that this religion has to offer. This is the best our world has to offer. And you're not impressed by the offering? And Jesus isn't. He's not impressed by the offering. Because he knows that this man, as impressive as he is to the world, has no faith. Or perhaps better said, faith in all the wrong things. His own wealth and his own accomplishments. Jesus shows the truth. It's hard for us to hear that there's nothing in us that really impresses him at all. Jesus, when he comes to us, doesn't find anything inside of us that pleases him. He has to create it. But in order for him to do that, it requires him to destroy that which stands in the way. He's got to crush our idols. He's got to rip away from us the things we hold to so tightly. So as he's crushing the idol of this man, the, the problem with him is the rich young man is found on the ground sweeping up the shards of his idol and taking him home because his treasure was back home in his barns, not standing before him in the face of Jesus. And so the disciples wonder if this all-star uh, can't get in, if this guy who we brought to Jesus can't get into the kingdom, if he's not good enough, who is? Who can be saved? And here's where Jesus turns everything that the disciples and you and I kind of implicitly think on its head. See, Jesus shows us this. He did not come to make it possible for the rich to save themselves. He did not come to make it possible for you and I to enter into the kingdom of God. He didn't come to make it possible. He came to do it. He came to do the impossible. With man, he says, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. You see, God sent his son on an impossible mission. Mission impossible. I just thought of an illustration I should have put in the sermon. Time to move on. God put, <laughs> uh, he sent his son on an impossible, very specific mission to shove camels through the eyes of needles. Actually, that's not true. He sent him to do something more impossible than that, to save sinners, to save the weak, the lowly, the idolatrous, the proud, the moral, the rich, the poor, whatever gloss you want to throw upon your idolatry, Jesus came to save sinners. But in order to do it, he has to make you a sinner. Now, don't misunderstand that line. That doesn't mean that Jesus came to make you sin. You're doing a fine job of that on your own. And doesn't mean that Jesus came along uh, to change you from a good person into a sinful person. No, by nature and by choice, you and I are sinful people. We are sinners. But when I say Jesus came to make you a sinner, he had to come along and show you that you are a sinner in your own eyes. Because you just don't see it. All of us, I think, can be too much like this rich young ruler who think that we have something we can present to Jesus to impress him, something that will get us further up in the line to meet him when he comes again, whether it's our wealth or our morality or our religiosity or even our humility. We all have something that Jesus needs to replace with himself. You see, it's not that we need to humble ourselves and sacrifice everything to enter into the kingdom. It's that Jesus needed to humble himself and sacrifice everything on the cross because you and I couldn't do it. We think we've got some great glorious thing that we can offer to him that's going to get us in. And Jesus says, I won't take it. I have to do the work for you in the most inglorious way you can imagine. 
by bleeding and dying for you. So Jesus comes and he has to humble us. He has to crush our idols. He has to break our hearts of sin. And he's got to pull us through the needle's eye. Again, we need it because we all have that idea of what the perfect Christian will look like. That one Christian that we know who's going to receive the greatest reward on the last day. We all think we know who we should be letting in to see Jesus and who's going to impress him. We all think that it's at least possible for us or somebody to do something, even if it means humbling ourselves like camels. But Jesus only saves the incapable. He only saves the sinful. He only saves the helpless, and he only saves the impossible. He puts the first last He makes the last, the least, the lowly into the first and the exalted. There's actually a really beautiful picture of this uh, a few readings ago. We did this a couple of weeks ago. These passages, they all kind of tie together in Mark, and it's really quite beautiful. Before the disciples let the rich young man in to see Jesus, the reading just before that is the account of how the disciples were trying to keep some other people out. Do you remember this? Uh, These mothers are bringing their little children to see Jesus. And in those days, uh, the people did not think about little children as being cute or delightful. Uh, They saw them as grubby and gross and snotty and things to keep away until they could contribute around the house. And so these mothers are bringing these grubby, snotty, stinky children to Jesus so that he might touch them and bless them. And the disciples say, get away, those kids might touch the rich young ruler's coats and then he'll leave. And Jesus rebukes them. And he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these and unless you become like one of these little children, you cannot enter. Why? Because little children are helpless and weak and lowly. They're impossible. That's exactly who Jesus has come to say. So let me just make you impossible. Let me just do that for you. I believe that's probably why I'm here anyway. To tell you this, you are impossible. You cannot save yourself. You do not have enough. You cannot do enough. And you have never been enough. So drop your idols and cease your pride and hear this. Children, it's impossible for you to save yourself but not with God. Because with God, the impossible is done. Camels slide through needle eyes. God puts on flesh. Sins are washed in blood. Tombs are emptied. And Jesus declares that you yourself are forgiven. You are saved. You are made a child of the living God. Impossible? Not for Jesus. Because after all, He has saved you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your grace and your mercy, which is impossible for us to achieve, and yet which you freely and graciously and joyfully give. Lord, we thank you for bringing us through the eye of the needle and into your kingdom. Now, Lord, make us bold to proclaim this good news so that others might hear the impossible, wonderful news that they too are saved. Use us to this end. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.